Good morning, PCBC. Let's stand and worship. I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, the treasures that fade are never enough. But you came along, you put me back together. Now every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing.
that. There's nothing better than him. Amen. Have a seat. We get to celebrate in baptism this morning. All right, so our, one of, our first baptism this morning is one of our high school students, Naomi Newton. And Naomi got saved this year at Falls Creek. So Naomi, do you believe that Jesus has saved you from your sins and that he is the boss of your life? Yes. All right, well, it is my privilege to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, come on. Come on. All right, our second baptism this morning is one of, uh, one of our, children, our students in our children's ministry, uh, Horizon. And Horizon went to Cross Timbers this year, and she, that's when she got saved. So Horizon, do you believe that Jesus is the boss of your life and has saved you from, uh, from your sins? Yeah. All right, well, it is my privilege to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, it gets better and better. Baptism, baby dedication, and that good stuff right there. Uh, Miss Bowery is coming to lead the way for a very, very, very special moment in our worship. Well, good morning, church family. It is my privilege to introduce to you this is Brady and Alicia Williams, and this is Parker Wayne Williams. Parker was born on May 8, 2022, which happened to be Mother's Day. How special is that? Parker means spiritual light, and the life verse his parents have chosen for him is from Matthew 5:14, and it says, "You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden." Awesome, awesome, awesome. Isn't that good stuff right there? Yeah, yeah. I'm grateful to be a part of a fellowship that's multi-generational that gets to see uh, generation after generation after generation passing on their faith. I know we have a lot of the family that are here with them, so moms, grandma, or grandmas, grandpas, and family, would you stand so we could recognize you guys today? Welcome. Thank you for being here. That picture was taken during a worship service when I was preaching. Can you see it? Can you see it? Passing on the faith, right? What a precious, precious blessing that you're dedicating unto the Lord. They do this as a practice that we see in Scripture where other generations have uh, recognized that our children are not our own, they're a gift from God, amen? They come to us from the Father, every good and perfect gift is from above, and Brady and, and Alicia understand that they have a stewardship now, a holy calling and a holy responsibility before God to train up their son in the way he should go. Uh, that is a holy, awesome responsibility. But it's not just theirs, it's ours as well as a family of faith. It's their family's responsibility, and it also brings our church family together in responsibility. We have the responsibility of modeling for him what it looks to walk by faith. We have the responsibility to pour into his life. Some of you will be a Sunday school teacher or a Wednesday night leader or a youth camp sponsor or in some way coming alongside, maybe a member of their ABF group, and you'll be praying with them and for them as you raise your families. But we get to do this together. Again, we see it in Scripture, baby dedications, where they would dedicate their children back to the Lord, realizing that they belong to the Lord, but their responsibility, they ask for God's blessing. This is not his salvation day. 
we're praying for that day. We're praying for that day that he'll come to know the Lord and Savior that lives in mom and dad's heart, grandma's and grandpa's hearts, and what hopefully the one that lives in your heart. So would you join us as we pray a blessing over Parker? And let's just pray that verse over his life uh, that we pray over our lives as well. Lord, we lift up this beautiful, beautiful little man. God, thank you for his life. Thank you for his family. God, what they mean to us as a body of Christ here at Putnam City, but more importantly, what they're going to mean to him as he grows and learns from them what it means to have a Savior. God, I pray that he would be light to a world that's cloaked in darkness. And Lord, that he would hear about you, the light, as he grows up at church, but more importantly, at home. And God, that he would trust you to be his Savior. And that he would share you with all of his friends and all those in the days ahead. God, protect this family. Bless this family. And Lord, may you use them for your glory. For we ask all this in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's give it up for them right there, huh? Isn't that a blessing? God bless you guys. We love you. Well, we want to greet you this morning. And there's kind of a new way to do that. In the front of your chairs, you can find communication cards if you want to go with the old analog world and write it in. We'd love to hear prayer requests from you, how we could serve you, questions you might have. That isn't just for guests, that's for everyone, for members alike. We also now have uh, a QR code. You'll see one in your bulletin. You can even take out your phones. As a matter of fact, just practice with me today. I know you got phones on you, all right? Don't just save it for when I'm preaching. Break out a phone, see if your camera will pick up the QR code and just see what happens. Come on, let me see cameras. Break them up, break them out. You say, well, that's not very spiritual in church. Hey, if you're connecting with the people of Christ for the glory of Christ, it's spiritual, all right? Take a picture, see if that QR code's working. It's our first time to use it. You should get a digital connect card. You can connect with us that way, or you can do it through a paper card, uh, whatever you want. You can use that every single week, and you say, why are we doing that every week? Well, one, we want to hear from everybody. We want to know how to pray for you. We, you're going to learn in, in, in the sermon today why we need to be praying for each other. We also want to find out ways to connect with you and your family. So take some time, complete it either on your phone. You can still use a card, put it in the offering towers in the hallways on the way out. And uh, we'd love to connect with you. But more importantly, we want to do that personally. So let's all get on our feet, work around the room, move out of your space, and go connect with somebody this morning. All right, I'm going to ask everybody to make it way back to your seat, but stay on your feet, okay? As you come back to your seat, you guys stay on your feet. We're going to move to a prayer time, and I want to remind you that 
this is not just a time for us as a church to do prayer because it's what we're supposed to do. I want you to understand that we do prayer because we serve and follow a life-changing God. We've already seen that this morning, right? Been able to see the fact that God changes lives through salvation. He changes lives each and every day as we become more and more like Christ. I want to share with you a passage that you probably know very well. And that is Romans 8, 28 and 29. This is what Paul says in that book. He says, And we know that for those who love God and are called according to His purpose, God works all things together for good. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to His image in order that we might be, He might be the firstborn among many brothers. You need to understand something about this is the fact that God desires for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. You know what that is? It's God changing us. You know, we've been praying the prayer of Jabez in many different ways, and today we're on that, bless me. And what we mean by that is, Lord, would you allow me to be so blessed that I begin to become more and more and more like you? Lord, would you change me? There's no greater prayer than that. That's the purpose that you have as a believer in Christ, that you would be changed into, as Romans 8.29 says, into the image of Christ. And so that's what we're going to pray this morning. That you would pray, God, would you change me? There's three things on the screen there that you can notice that you can pray for specifically. Would you change my mind to think like God? Guys, we ought to have a mind like God. We ought to ask God to help us to focus our hearts on Him so that we begin to think like Him. In a world that's crazy, we need to think the things and the thoughts of God, don't we? Change my heart to love God. There's no greater command for us but to love God. We ought to pray that God would help us to love Him more or change my life so that I might look like Christ. That's our goal. That's our hope. That ought to be your prayer this morning. As you pray this morning, I want to ask you to move around. You might grab a couple of people to pray along with this uh, prayer theme that you would ask God to change not only your heart but this church to look more and more like Christ. Would you Begin to move around the room and find somebody to pray with this morning. Jesus. So we ask that you would change us, that you would allow us to be able to move through the process using the circumstances in our life for our good and the greatest good in us and for us is that we would become more like you. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, would you allow us to be changed. God, help our hearts to long to love you in such a way that the world would see that we have one focus in our love that it would be about God and God alone and everything. We pray, Father, that you would help us in all things to learn more and more to think like you so that our lives would be changed to move in the direction of you in all things 
in our life, Father, that the world would be able to see you in us, in a world that's going crazy in their thinking, Lord, help us to be faithful in our thinking to you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to look more like you. Would you help the folks that are here today see that that be their ultimate goal in everything that they do in life so that they would seek you, desire you, long for you, and ultimately look like you so that the world would see that people's lives that are most full are those that look like Jesus. So would you change us and help us to be a church of change so that we can show the world how they might be able to change. We ask this, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Let's stand as we worship.
on that day. And on the day you call me in to heaven's sweet embrace, I'll see your scars, your open arms, the beauty of your face. Through tears of joy, I lift my voice in everlasting praise. Hallelujah, Christ is risen from the
just humbled by your presence and thankful for your grace, Lord. Um, may we always worship your name. May we always realize the power of your name. May we never be afraid to speak it, to carry that light into the darkness, Lord. May we boldly live for you. May we follow your, your, um, your commandments and your teachings and, and really hide your word in our, in our hearts, Lord. Not just a, a broad understanding, but precisely what you said. Help us to seek what you mean and understand who you are in every way, Lord. You are infinite and mighty and help us to just pursue your goodness and grace, Lord. We recognize that you are the source of all good that has ever happened. And we thank you for allowing us to be a part of that, Lord. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. You guys may be seated. sermon series on talking with God at home and apparently some of you have gotten really serious about this challenge I think it would be the OSU fans in the room all of a sudden out of a matter of prayer things are going crazy in the Big 12 and uh, the rest of us need to catch up and start praying as hard as they are no seriously we're gonna dig into the reality of the blessing we have and the calling that we have in the issue of prayer and I hope that we will learn to pray like the disciples learn I hope that our prayer would be the same as their prayer as they approached Jesus and they said Lord teach us how to pray now if anybody should have known how to pray it should have been the disciples these guys that hung out with Jesus every day why would they need to learn more about prayer because it's something we all need to grow in can I get an amen from the congregation we all need to grow in the understanding of what it means to connect with God through prayer and so as they approach Jesus to learn I hope we'll do the same I want to encourage you to let the Lord speak to you today and teach you just like he spoke to the disciples back then and just like he taught them so let's dig in the word if you have your Bibles go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 34 Romans chapter 8 verse 34 Drew quoted from Romans 8 earlier in our prayer time and there's so much power in that one chapter of Romans, it's incredible. If you go on just a few verses after where Drew left off, you get to verse 34. And it says this, who is the one who now condemns us? He was reminding them that we once were condemned in our sin under condemnation. But now he's writing to them and telling them, you're no longer under condemnation. You've been set free through the Spirit and through Christ. So he goes on to say, who is it who condemns Christ Jesus is he who died rather who was raised and who is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us most of you have learned if you've ever spent any time in a church in the Western culture that we live in you know that Jesus died on a cross died for your sins and he's the way to salvation you know that Jesus but I'm not so sure in the church in America at least uh, at least in the Baptist church, that we've been taught who Christ is in our salvation. 
that he is our high priest. Yes, he died on a cross. Yes, he rose again from the dead. Yes, he saved us from condemnation and sin. But notice what the Lord Jesus is doing in this very moment. Look at the last part of that verse. Who also intercedes for us. That's you and me. What does it mean that he intercedes? To intercede means to act on behalf of another. Or in this case, he prays for us. Does that not blow you away that in this very moment, this very moment, the Lord Jesus knows everything that's going on in your world and that he is at the right hand of the Father praying for you right now? Hebrews, if you want to look at Hebrews uh, 7, chapter 7, verse 25, we see again the writer of Hebrews saying, therefore, he is able to save completely. Again, we see the God of salvation, but he wants them to see who their God is, not just the one who saves us, but the one who prays for us. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. I think we've heard so long about Jesus dying for us, but I'm not so sure we even stop and realize in this very moment, in my pain, in my challenge, in my struggle, in my doubts, the Lord is praying for me even now. We don't just see that as principles in scripture. We see that practiced in the life, the earthly ministry of Jesus. I've taught you this before, but you remember when they had that last supper and the disciples were coming together. They think they're heading to take over Jerusalem. They think Messiah is finally going to take control of their city and drive Rome out from their government. They were looking for an earthly king and missing the fact that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus would have to pull Peter aside that night and he would speak into Peter's life. And he would say, Peter, Peter, Satan's trying to sift you like wheat. He is attacking you. Be alert. Peter says, I got this. I'm your number one disciple, man. I, I, don't, I don't need to be afraid. I got this. And, and Jesus continues to challenge him and said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. So as you look in on that conversation... The Father has revealed to Jesus that Peter's struggling and Peter's hurting. And Jesus speaks into that. And the Lord will do that in your life. When we get off base, God will speak into that. But I want you to see how Jesus ministers to Peter in that moment. Not only does he speak the truth in love, not only does he challenge him and warn him, but think about it. Think about what you would expect Jesus to say next. He has said, Peter, you're, you're out of control. Matter of fact, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to fall tonight. What do you think Jesus ought to say next? I, I could see Jesus saying, I've warned you and I've warned you. I've been patient with you for three and a half years. Why won't you listen? But can't you see the lecture coming? But listen to what Peter said next, or what Jesus said to Peter next. You remember what he said? But Peter, I have been praying for you. That's what Jesus does. That's who Jesus is. He is our high priest. Yes, he's our savior. Yes, he saves us from sin, but he ever lives to pray for us as our high priest. And so as we see Jesus' example, as we come to understand Jesus in his ministry as the high priest, I want you to see the high priest will for your life. Not only is it his will to pray for you, but he has another will. I want you to go all the way back to Exodus chapter 19. Find the book of Exodus back towards the front of your Bible. Go all the way back in the Old Testament. 
And what I want you to see is God's design, even from the earliest time of God's children on earth. Israel has ended up in Egypt. They have been in bondage for 400 years. They got there because of a drought that had come to the land, because their bro the brothers had sold Joseph into slavery, and God used all of that to paint a picture of the gospel. The gospel didn't come to us just when Jesus took on flesh. The gospel has been all the way back even before life came on this planet. The Bible says that Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. God had the plan before man ever messed it up. God had the plan. And God would send the man, Jesus, to a cross to pay the price for our sin. But before then, God was teaching the gospel all the way back into the days of Moses. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. He said, all that is in the law and Moses and all that the prophets have brought, all of that points to me. So when you read the book of Exodus, yes, you'll read about Moses, you'll read about Israel, you'll read about the Red Sea, you'll read about all those things that historically happened, but they happened also, not just historically, but to paint a spiritual picture of the gospel. They've been set free from the bondage of Pharaoh, they have been saved from that slavery, just as Jesus set you and me free from our bondage to sin, we were enslaved to that sin. We were in bondage to that, and God set us free. He gives them a promised land, a new place, a, a, a glorious place, and God gives us a place called heaven, a future home. But God gives us more than that. Jesus isn't just about salvation, eternal life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have abundant life. And so he's going to teach these people how to be delivered from bondage, but he's going to call them into relationship. These people have never walked with God. These people, now generations later, they've forgotten who God is, and God shows up on their behalf. And now God's going to call them, not only out of Egypt, but he's going to call them into a relationship with him. So God instructs Moses with these words. Look at it, Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant... Then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom, I want you to underline this, you shall be a kingdom of what? Priest. Who was this spoken to? This was spoken to all of Israel. And he says, I want you to be a holy people. I want you to be my children. I'm going to create you to be a holy nation, different than all other nations, and here's how you're going to be different. You are going to be a kingdom of priests. That's what God said to Israel. These are the words that you shall speak to all the sons of Israel. So going all the way back to Exodus, we find God in salvation. And we find God saving a people, calling them out, a chosen people unto himself with a holy calling. To not only be called to be saved, but in their salvation, being a people of God, they had a purpose. He didn't call them to be kingdom warriors. He didn't call them to be kingdom workers. He called them to be a kingdom of priests. Isn't that crazy? And you say, well, that's the Old Testament. That was for Israel. And it's pretty interesting what Israel did. What happened in the days of Israel and their calling is the same thing that's going on in the church. They were called to be a holy people. They were called to be a kingdom of priests. We're going to see in a moment the same is true for the church today. That same calling exists. God's design has always been the same for his people, to be a kingdom of priests. 
But the 12 tribes of Israel drew a conclusion. They said, well, we're going to make one of our tribes, the sons of Levi, they're going to be the priest, and we're going to be the warriors and the workers. And the other 11 tribes went out into the world and did their thing while they had a certain set-aside group called the Levitical tribe who were the priests to the people. Same thing seems to be happening today in the church. We, too, have that same calling. We have been grafted into Israel. We, too, are the children of God, and we are to be kingdom, a kingdom of priests. You say, where do you get that? Well, if you have your Bibles, let's fast forward in the New Testament. Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. God's will has been to save from sin and to use those who are saved to be a kingdom of priests. What Israel failed to do, it is now placed on his church to do, and we are failing as well. Now, they were given the instruction. I think that for many in the church today, the reason we're failing is because we've not been instructed. Forgive us, the pulpits of this nation, who've not taught. We've taught how to be saved, but we've not taught how to be a kingdom of priests. You say, where do you get this? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter will quote from the Old Testament, the Word of God. The Word of God is the Word of God, from Genesis through Revelation. God's will didn't change this side of the cross, everything has been pointing towards that cross through a resurrected Savior and to God's design. And look at God's design. Peter reminds him, you are a chosen people as well. It's not that there's Israel on one hand and now the church. We are the people of God. It wasn't about the bloodline of Abraham. That would be the natural. It was about the seed of faith through Abraham. It's always been about that faith lineage, that genealogy of faith. And now that we're in that faith, he says, we are a chosen people. Look at the next phrase, underline it, a royal priesthood, a holy people, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that we might proclaim his excellencies in all the earth. You see, God didn't just die on a cross to save you. God died on a cross and wants to work through you. God wants you to himself. He wants that relationship, but then he wants you to be a kingdom of priests, a holy priesthood. Now, when I say that word priest, that messes with some of our minds because of our culture. When you think of the word priest, you think of somebody in a black shirt with a white collar, and that's what they call them in the Catholic Church and some other denominations. They're priests. You don't call me your priest. You call me pastor, maybe some other things too. We don't need to talk about that right now. But, but uh, you don't never call me Priest Bill. Uh, pastor, I'm your pastor, equipper, shepherd. But did you know that we who know Christ, we are priests? What does that mean? And I, I don't think very many people stop and think about that. That God has saved me to be a royal priesthood. Well, let's dig into that and let's see what that means. If you want to know what it means to be a royal priest, what if we looked to the high priest? What if we looked to Jesus and let Jesus teach us what it means to be a priest? If he's the high priest and we are priests, that means he's over us. And if we want to be the priest God has called us to be, we just do what Jesus did. And what did he do? What is he doing now? He's at the right hand of the Father doing what? 
having a little praise concert, letting all the angels strum on the things. He is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. And that very high priest has called you and me to be priests to one another, to pray for one another. So that's the purpose of this challenge from our family and marriage ministry team, that you would grow in that understanding, just like the first disciples. Lord, teach us about our priesthood. Teach us how to intercede for one another. Lord, teach us how to pray. So we're challenging you seven days a week. Seven days a week, you find some time and you pray with God, you alone, your own prayer time. Five days a week, you pray for your family and with your family if you can. Two days a week, if you're married, you pray with your spouse specifically. More than that, I wish it was 777, but we're going to start somewhere, right? If you're not yet married, we got several in this uh, congregation not yet married, start praying for who God might want you to be married or if you're even supposed to be married. God calls some to a life of singleness. That's a calling as well. But praying over these things. And in that challenge, we step into that because Scripture calls us to be a priest of prayer. Let me show you. Let's go over. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul was teaching Timothy, who was preparing for the ministry to the saints. He was called out to be an equipper, just like the Levitical tribe was called to be priest to the priest. He was called to be a pastor to the ministers of reconciliation. And Paul's teaching him and instructing him, and he says this, First of all, I urge that requests and prayers, intercession and thanksgiving, be made in behalf of all people. He's instructing Timothy and others, and he's telling them that you're not just to thank God for your salvation, you're to live in your calling. That you are to intercede for who? For all people. At all times. When we think of prayer, we've made prayer what we need. We've made prayer really focused on our world and what we need, and that's a pretty narrow view of prayer. In Scripture, it says we are a royal priesthood, and just like the high priest is praying for us, we as priests need to be praying for one another. He taught Timothy that. Let me take you to another passage in Colossians. You can write it down in your notes. I'm not going to put it on the screen. But uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, Paul continued to teach on this ministry of prayer. He said in verse 9, For this reason, since the day we heard about this need, we have not ceased praying for you. He's writing to them. And he's being a priest to the believers at Colossae. And he's saying, listen, know this, you're not in it alone. We have not stopped praying for you. The early disciples were taught how to be priests from the high priest. They were taught how to pray, and they didn't just pray about their stuff. They prayed for one another. The Bible says we're to do that. We're called to do that, and so few people understand that calling. If you have your Bibles now, go over to Ephesians 6. Let's just keep seeing the full counsel of God. In Ephesians 6, that automatically ought to trigger that chapter as the book uh, the chapter on spiritual warfare, right? In Ephesians 6 and verse 12, Paul is reminding them, yes, you're in this world, and yes, you're to be warriors. Because you're at battle, not with each other. You see, they were fighting with each other just like we fight with people. They were thinking that they had enemies, or this person was against them, and they had these issues. 
And Paul had to teach him, your issue is bigger than anything you can see or feel on this planet. It's at a higher realm. It's with spirits and principalities. You need to become a spiritual warrior. And then he goes on and says, and God has given you not only a calling to be a spiritual warrior, but he's given you the weapons for your warfare. He's equipped you, and we know it as the armor of God. You'll see the armor of God laid out as you work through verses 13 through 17. And most people stop at the end to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And they look at that and they say, there's my armor and I'm going to be a warrior for God. And they forget to finish what Paul said. He didn't stop at verse 17. Look at verse 18. Look at what else he tells them. After he shows them where their battle is, after he teaches them the weapons that are theirs, in verse 18 he says this, so with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. Do this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and make every request for all the saints. Paul doesn't just teach them about their own battle. He just doesn't teach them about their enemy who's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. He teaches them about how to be holy priests. Yes, we have to war against an enemy, but we need to be priests to one another. We are to pray at all times, look at what he says, in the Spirit. Now some of us got a great prayer life outside the Spirit. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed how you can pray in the flesh? Let me give you an example. We're going to go ahead and play the song. Kevin, I hope you got it queued up. You may be familiar with this song. I played it a few years back. Uh, this, is a, this is a song that should speak to your heart about the difference between praying in the flesh and praying in the spirit. I hope I gave enough time. Are we queued up, guys? Are we okay? Take a listen. I haven't been to church since I don't remember when. Things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. He said, You can't go hating others. Who have done wrong to you sometimes we get angry but we must not condemn let the good Lord do his job and you just pray for them I pray your brakes go out running down a hill I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams. Who's prayed this prayer before? Come, come on now. Come Just on now. You are. I think you get the point of the song. It's, a, it's another three minutes of praying in the flesh is what that is. How many times have we prayed, Lord, man, sick them. Lord, take them out of this earth. Lord, let them spend eternity apart from you in another place called something not called heaven. The song is a humorous slant at a sickness of our heart that causes us sometimes not to be so prayerful as we should be. Sometimes we pray in the flesh and Paul's reminding them, no, you've got to pray in the spirit. The spirit who lives in you is the one who will guide you to be the priest you're called to be. Don't let your flesh be the driver of your spirituality 
don't go there because if you do, you'll miss out on being the royal priesthood. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, let me give you a couple ways. Number one, it says we're to pray for all the saints. Have you been praying for others? Or are you just praying about your own stuff? Have you grown in your ministry to intercede for others just like your high priest intercedes for you? Several of us on staff are in a coaching relationship. It's a ministry in town that uh, helps pastors stay connected spiritually, not just feed the sheep, but also feed their own hearts, and they are challenged in that. And In that discipline, we are challenged to keep a prayer journal. That prayer journal has been a powerful tool in my life to grow deeper in my prayer. And I'm not, I'm not always consistent with it. It's a discipline I'm learning. It's a discipline I'm trying to pass on to others, and I want to share it with you as well, that it might be a tool that will help you be the priest God wants you to be. I would encourage you to go out and buy a, a notebook. It doesn't have to be a, a sanctified, ordained prayer journal. It doesn't have to be a Mardell's version. You don't have to go spend 20 bucks to get spiritual, right? I go to Walmart and I go down where the school supplies are and pick out the cheapest thing I can buy. Not because I'm cheap on prayer, but it isn't about the paper, it's about the connection in prayer. You get a notebook, put a title on it, call it your prayer journal or whatever, and guys, don't tune me out and say, journaling's for girls. That's nah, not true. Journaling is a great spiritually deep connection with God. Now, I, I told the first service uh, something you guys won't connect with, but I asked them, I said, do you remember when you guys used to court? And I told them, when I say the second service, they're going to think about their traffic tickets. That's not what courting was for the earlier audience. Courting was where you pursued a girl to be your date, and you courted them. We call it dating. I don't know what you guys call it now. You can tell me later and get the old man in on the loop. But whatever it is, trying to find that one for life. They called it courting. And they didn't have Snapchat or social media to connect. They didn't have all those things. You know how they connected? They wrote letters to each other. They wrote paper and pen, and they would fold them up in cute little shapes, and they would pass them to one another. And, and Cammie and I still have a box of letters from high school that we have. And I tell you, when you write on paper, there's something that goes deeper. When you pray from the head, if you just pray as most of us pray, you pray what first comes to your head. When you start to write out your prayers, it's amazing how your heart goes deeper in that prayer. And so I'm going to encourage you to start a new discipline, to get a prayer journal. Uh, let me give you an example. The picture there, that's not me, that's just one. But, but on that prayer journal, when you open it up, there's a left-hand side of the page and there's a right-hand side of the page. And one of the things that I'm being discipled in to learn how to do better is to pray for others by name. To pray for things by name. So on the left side of the page, you'll see things that are circled there. This happens to be a day that I pray for the missions that I'm connected to, the things that I lead and the things I'm a part of. And so one day a week, I pray over all those things and those circles that you see around that represent a day that I prayed for that specifically. So you can see here, multiple circles. That's a reminder which ones I've been praying for the most. The ones on the left are new ones that have just started through Community Bridges. And I've added that to our New York mission trips. 
I've added that to our grief class, our Venezuela pastors that we're a part of, Zambia, all of the missions of our church. I have one day a week I pray specifically for those missions. And every time I pray that day, I draw another circle, and I draw another circle, and I draw another circle. And it reminds me who to pray for. So in my journal, you don't have to do it the way I do. I'll just give you a tip. I take the first seven open pages, and I do a Sunday page, a Monday page, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I do that at the front of my journal. And so I have a discipline day on Sundays. I pray for all the staff because I'm coming to church, and I pray for the body of Christ at PCBC. During the week, I have a day dedicated. I pray every day for my family, but I pray specifically, uh, intentionally about my family on a certain day. I pray for another set of people on another day. I do that every day, all week long, every week. But then, after the seven-day pages, I start my prayer journal as I walk with God every day. As I walk with God, I'll record scripture that I'm in. I'll reflect on that scripture as God is speaking to me, and I'll just write my prayer back to God on that page. And on that day, on that left-hand page, he may give me some new names to pray for for that specific day, and I'll put their name on it, I'll circle I may come back to that page and pray again. I may just pray one time for that need or that person but it keeps moving through my journal. Now, how many of you remember what you prayed two years ago? This Sunday, two years ago, anybody remember what you prayed? Not one of us. But you know what you can do with journaling? You can go back now, and you can pull your journals off a shelf, and you can go back two years ago, and you can see what God was putting on your heart, what God was having you pray for, and you can see now, later, how God answered that prayer. It is a powerful powerful way and it's also a better way to start praying more specifically outside of just you but praying for other people we'll talk more about prayer journaling in the days ahead but let me challenge you with this in your prayer journal you are a royal priesthood and you're to be praying at all times interceding for other people so how many people have you prayed for this week by name how many people have you been interceding for I think most probably at best have prayed for themselves and things in their world. we got to grow and pray for one another. Let the Holy Spirit show you. You're his priest to intercede for other people. Who could you be praying for? I love the green shirts. I missed the memo. I would have loved to have had the green shirt memo today. How cool is that that you guys are one? I hope it's more than just t-shirts. I hope that you'll be one and pray for one another. I hope you'll not only just pray for each other, but you'll pray for the middle schoolers as well. I hope that you'll pray for your moms and your dads. I hope you'll pray for your preacher and the staff. And we can learn to grow more and more and more in our prayer for one another. But let me show you one last thing. There's another group you need to be praying for. We're called to pray for all the saints, and we're also called to pray for those who aren't saints. What do you mean by that? Bible over and over says pray for your enemies it's easy to pray for one another at times isn't it it's easy to pray for somebody you like but what about your enemy what about somebody who's in opposition to you what about somebody who's hurt you or failed you do we pray them like the song we heard a minute ago or do we pray for them like a holy priest Jesus modeled it our high priest when he was on this earth he's hanging on a cross they beat him They beat him so bad you can't even recognize who he is. He was so swollen with pain. He's so covered in blood you don't even know who he is except for the sign that they put above him mocking him, king of the Jews. 
They're gambling at his feet. They're cussing his name. They're mocking him. And Jesus could have called down the wrath of God on those pagans. Do you know what he did? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The high priest modeled what it means to be a priest on this earth. Not just praying for his 12 disciples, not just praying for his mom whose heart was broken, but even praying for the ones that were brutally killing him. He dies, he's buried in a tomb. He rises from the dead, his spirit fills the church at Pentecost, and they begin to proclaim his name in all the earth. And one of the first ones to give up their life was a guy named Stephen, which we've talked about before. In Acts chapter 7, verse 59, they were stoning Stephen to death because of his witness. And as he called on the Lord, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. But in verse 60, look at verse 60. The last words he would ever breathe on earth was this. He fell on his knees and he cried out with a loud voice. And he said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. How did he know how to pray like that? How did he know how to be a priest in that moment when he was fighting for his very life and taking his last breath? You know how he knew it? Because he had learned it from the high priest. The one who had modeled it on the cross. The one who now lived in his heart was now living through his life. Stephen is the only one called to be a priest. Paul's not the only one called to be a priest. If you're one of God's chosen, if you're one of his children, you are a royal priesthood. You have a holy calling. And you're called to pray at all times for all the saints and all those who aren't saints. Just for reference, you can write down Matthew chapter 5. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Luke 6, 28 says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So today I opened up my prayer journal. I knew I was preaching this message. I was reflecting on those scriptures. And I came under conviction that there are some people I've not been praying for. And the reason I haven't been praying for them is because I'm not their biggest fan. Nobody in this church wants you to know that. There may be someday, but not now. Right now, this is somebody outside the body of Christ at PCBC. I haven't been praying for them. I don't want to pray for them. I didn't want to pray for them. That's my flesh. That's my own country song taking on my own heart. Today in my prayer journal, I had to confess that as sin. Remember pray, P-R-A-Y? A, admit. I had to admit to God I was sinning by not praying for that person, those persons, and that I would start doing that faithfully. I had to, why, yield to God. That gets real. I also had to admit, God, I haven't been praying for others like I should. I haven't been praying for, I've been so consumed with just praying about my stuff, but not our stuff. So this message has hit me. I pray as hard as it's hitting you. I hope you walk away today saying, man, I'm a priest. I'm chosen by God, and I have a special ministry, and I need to take on prayer, not just for me, but for we. And start praying for one another. Will you do that? Let's pray together. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to practice what the preacher's been preaching. 
Now, before we practice, there may be somebody here, you say, man, I, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know, I don't know what that means. And matter of fact, I don't even know that I'm right with God. Well, your prayer this morning should be, God, I want to be one of your chosen. God, I need to be saved. And maybe you need to pray that. I'm going to ask you to come to one of these ministers. Take him by the hand and say, man, I need to be saved. They'll pray with you right here. They'll help you pray to God and ask God to change your life like we prayed earlier. You'd be the first to come. But if you've trusted Christ, if he is your Savior, he's your high priest. He's praying for you right now. Did you know that? God is praying for you. The Lord Jesus is praying for you this very moment. Why don't you thank Jesus? Say, God, thank you. Thank you for praying me through this. Thank you, Lord. And your high priest not only prays for you, but he calls you. And he wants you to pray for others. So I want you to pray for the person on your right. If you don't know their name, nudge them and say, I need a name. Give me a name. Come on. You know the name, you start praying for them. Lift them up. What do I pray? Lord, I pray your favor on them. God, I pray your protection around them. God, I pray for their priesthood. Pray those things for them. Pray the things you already know what to pray. You don't have to know specifics. Pray for them. Pray over them. Now take a moment and pray for the person on your left. If you're on the outside of the aisle, don't pray for that wall. You just pray for somebody else. Pray for the person on your left. Be a priest in this moment. And the Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart. So now pray over you. Pray over your priesthood. Lord, I didn't even know I was a priest. God, show me what that means. God, Help me to pray for others. Show me who I can pray for. Let God start giving you names of people you need to be praying for. Start praying. Take it with you. Every day this week, pray for people. Saints and those who aren't saints. That ought to keep you pretty busy. Lord, we love you. We submit our lives to you now. That is our prayer. That is our request. With thanksgiving, we thank you, God, that we can even approach your throne in this moment. God, may we give you all the glory as we respond now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Staff are here. Alex is singing. Anybody need to come for a reason? Just somebody to pray over you. You need to join the church. You have a question, a challenge, or a commitment. You come while Alex sings. Unforgiven. Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted, you were condemned, I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me.
done as a royal priesthood. You may be seated where you are. Didn't get a chance to fill out a connect card, the digital one or one of the, on paper. Do that. Our staff, we practice that priesthood every Tuesday. We pray over every prayer request that comes in. If you have one, please send that in. Right now, let's see what's going on in Connection Points. Hey, what's up, church family? My name is Caleb Gonzalez. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. Uh, a lot is happening here at PCBC. And we wanted to take a few minutes and share a couple of things coming up for you and your family. So check this out. We have an awesome event for everyone to join coming October 31st. Fest of Fall is PCBC's free event for the community where we provide a safe and fun environment for your whole family. It will be outdoors and if you'd like to serve, we need your help with two things. We need your help with a lot of candy. Uh, we are collecting candy from now to the event. Uh, donation baskets are located at every main entrance or we have a candy registry on Amazon. The second thing you can do is sign up to provide a game from your trunk. Next, we have Pioneers on Thursday for only $4. $4 gets you some food, fun, fellowship, and there's always special entertainment. I would definitely go, but I'm in college, which means I don't have $4. Anyways, next we also have Mom to Mom this Thursday. That will go from 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. As always, it will be a time of fellowship, encouragement from God's word, and a fun craft. And trust me, you also want to go because there's childcare provided. Now for those who are in college uh, and can't afford to attend Pioneers like me, uh, we have a college ministry for you called Rooted. Rooted meets every Sunday morning and every Tuesday for a Bible study. Rooted also has a campfire and hayride event coming up on Friday, October 7th at 5 p.m. They will meet at PCBC to caravan to, or you can just meet at the family farm. Cost is $15 per person, so please be praying for us. Lastly, to find all these events, all you got to do is go to pcbc.tv slash events. Uh, we are so glad that you were able to join us today, um, and we'll see you next time. That was good. So everybody make sure and pray for Caleb because he needs $15, all right? Anyways, hey, listen, we prayed this morning earlier that God would help us to look more like Christ, right? He's our intercessor. So go this week and intercede for somebody else. We'll see you next week.